As you can, uh, as you can tell from what's behind me and, and what we read earlier, we're going to be in 1 Samuel today, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to talk about the heart. Now, you might have heard me say from this platform before that Christianity is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And so I'm just going to meddle with you today. I am going to get right to the point, and I'm going to ask you, do you know God or do you know about God? Because the difference is your heart. You can know about God. You can know everything there is to know about God, but never experience his love and his forgiveness and his guidance in your life. You can know about God and never know God. Do not settle for knowing about God. Get to know God because he wants to be known by you. He wants you to know him. Do not settle for religion when relationship is possible through Jesus Christ. Don't ever settle for knowing about God. Know God. Know him. And that is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of of your heart being surrendered to Christ. Your heart being surrendered so that you, you feel, you experience his love and his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace and his guidance in your life. You hear his voice there. You, you know him because your heart is fully surrendered to him. A lot of the songs that we sang today talked about surrendering the heart to him, especially the, the song, The Stand, talks about surrendering all you are to him. That is a matter of the heart. And, and we're going to see how important the heart is today. Now, we're going to do this in the way that we have been doing it. We've been, uh, I've been trying to teach you kind of some study habits for your, for your Bible study. And so we're first going to look at context. Then we're going to look at the, the so what's. So what does this say about God? So what does this say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and myself? And then we're going to look at it phrase by phrase. And then we'll look for the comfort and the challenge that I think every passage of Scripture presents to us. So first, let's read, and it's just this one verse, but let's read 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, and again, it is up here behind me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. The Lord sees the heart. So what's the context here? Well, the overall context, Samuel is the prophet of God. And and Samuel actually has anointed Saul king. And now God's telling him to go anoint another king. And so even though Samuel anointed Saul as king, they've had a falling out. And Samuel actually is in danger because Saul will have him killed. If, if Saul knows he's in the area. So Sam, God tells Samuel, go to this place. And, and, and if you read, again, the, the larger context, Samuel says, but, but I'm going to get killed. This guy, this, this guy Saul, he, he doesn't like me much. He's going to take, come after me if I go there. But he goes. He goes. And he does what God says for him to do. And that is, he finds Jesse... And then tells Jesse, I'm here to anoint a new king. Now, Saul is still king. 
So this is a little bit weird. This is a little bit out of, out of the norm because Saul is still king. But Samuel is there to anoint the new king. Now we know how this turns out, right? We know David is the guy chosen. But the story here is of all of these better choices. <laughs> all, of these, all of these brothers, El Eliab and all of these other brothers are better choices than David. They're taller. They're better looking. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're older. They're, they're, just, they're a better choice by every standard we would have. They're a better choice than David. But David's God's choice. And so that's the one that matters. And so after this, after this verse, David is anointed as king of Israel. David is not the choice that any, by any human standard. He isn't the oldest, the tallest, the best looking. He is not the choice, but he's God's choice. And so it's the only choice that matters. So what does this tell us about God? It tells us clearly that God had a plan for David's life. Now, <clears throat> David didn't understand it, and certainly none of David's family understood it, right? Because Jesse doesn't, when Samuel gets there, Jesse doesn't just say, oh, I'll go get David. No, he trots out all of the other ones first. So he doesn't, uh, his family doesn't get it. David is out doing his, watching his sheep. So David doesn't get it. But God had a plan for David's life. And the greater thing here is, he had a plan not only for David's life, but for all of those that David would affect. He had a plan, think about who David is. We know David from the other side of this story. We know David as the king that all kings of Israel are, are compared to. The greatest king of all, apart from Jesus. We, we know David from this end. But when Samuel gets there, we have proof that God has a plan for David's life. And it's not just for David, it's for everybody that David will affect. And, and aren't you still, you and I, still affected by David? We are studying him right now. So we, we literally are still affected by this choice of God. So the plan of God includes not only David, but everybody that David will affect. Now, he affects all of Israel, and he affects all of the Middle East. Remember, David is the king that basically crushes all of the enemies of Israel. So David, this choice right here that God makes affects David's life, and it affects everybody that David knows life, it affects all of Israel, and it affects all of the Middle East, all by this one choice. He has a plan for David's life, and he has a plan that goes beyond David's life. It also tells us that God is faithful, because God is faithful to his plan. Now, there were plenty of better choices than David. They were all trotted out in front of Samuel. There were plenty of better choices, but God is faithful to his plan. He's faithful to his call. He's faithful to the people he has called. He, is, he is, has a plan for David, and so it is David that will be anointed king. God is faithful to his plan for David's life. And, and of course, it says God sees our heart. Now, why is this important? You know how many, 
how many books have been written by philosophers. Literally mountains of books have been written by philosophers about that inner part of us that we think nobody knows. That inner part of us that, that we have conversations with. That inner part of us that, that we think, if anybody really knew this, one, this part of me, they'd hate me. That's the part God knows, and he loves you. You are known at that deepest, most intimate part of yourself. God knows you there because he sees your heart. He sees who you are. He knows the real you, and he has a plan for you. So what does this say about us? It says that God has a plan for your life. And, and here's the thing. It may not make any sense to you. And it may not make any sense to anybody that knows you. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. David was not the right choice by any measure we would put there except one, God. God's choice, and that settles it. And so, you're the right choice for the plan God has for your life. And that plan, I want you to think about this, because we, we kind of live in a selfish society, so we think about what does God want of me and what will God give me. That, that's kind of what we, we think in those two terms. God's plan for you may be for you to affect somebody so that they become what he wants them to be. You know, somebody had to affect somebody and then affect somebody for Billy Graham to be called to ministry, for Billy Graham to ever even know Christ. And he led thousands and thousands of people to Christ in his crusades. Somebody was faithful to God's plan. Somebody was faithful to just do what God wanted, whether they thought they were the right person or not. They were faithful to do what God wanted well before Billy Graham ever preached his first sermon. You have a, God has a plan for your life and, your, and beyond your life. You may be affecting somebody that will affect somebody else, that will affect somebody else that will come to Christ because of kindness you showed four generations earlier. We still study David's life. And we are 3,000 years removed. And we're still studying David's life. God has a plan for your life, and he has a plan beyond your life. And God sees our hearts. Now, I think that's both frightening and comforting. <laughs> It's frightening because we think there's a part of us that nobody knows about, that we would be ashamed if anybody knew about. God knows it and loves you there. God knows you there and loves you there. You've heard me say it again and again from this platform, but, but I, I will say again, I want it ringing in your ears. You are the target, the focus, and the purpose of the love of God. That part of you that you think nobody else knows is the part God knows the best and loves. Now, that's the comfort part. The frightening part is we, uh, we think, well, that's where my sin stays. <laughs> there's, stuff, there's stuff that I keep there. 
that I don't want God to know about. But I want to tell you, he knows it. You're not actually fooling him. And that, because that's where our problem is, according to Jeremiah, Jeremiah said that the heart is wicked beyond everything else. Who can understand it? I, tell, I will tell you who can understand it. God can understand it. Because that's who loves you at that point. At that desperately wicked point in us is where God loves us. And where Christ applies his forgiveness and his love and his grace. That's exactly where the medicine is. Because that's where the illness is. So it, what it tells us about us is we are known. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes you can be in a crowd and feel isolated and alone. You're never alone if you know Christ. Because God is there in that place that's telling you you're alone. God's right there. Because he sees the heart. So what do we need to do? We need to examine our own hearts. We need to, 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 to look at our desires. We need to understand that, that what is our desire, what is the desire of God. And, I, and again, I'm going to meddle with you. I'm going to be blunt and say, if you do not, if you are settling for knowing about God, God wants you to know him instead. If you are settling for religious activity instead of relationship, God wants you to know him. And he wants you to know him in this spot, in this inner part of us that, that we don't really, we know it's there, but we can't describe. That's the part God wants us to know. He wants us to know him there. And we need to answer him when he calls us. It may not, like David, may not make any sense to you or any of your family or anybody that knows you. But if it's God's call on your life, he intends to do something. He intends to use you to affect other people. It will change you. It will transform you to answer his call. But, but the call is greater than just you. It is beyond you to others that you will affect. So we need to answer when we hear his voice. We need to answer. Now, and... and if you're a family member of somebody who's, who says they feel called to this, I'm going to ask that you support them. Don't discourage it. Encourage it. Because it can be hard to feel a call on your life and have the, the people closest to you telling you it's ridiculous. You, mu you must answer when God calls, and you need to encourage those who are called. Because every one of us has a plan for his life. Every one of us. And that plan includes not only you, but the people you will affect. God used David to change history. And, he could, and you could be next. You and I could be next. So let's look at this phrase by phrase. Humans do not see what the Lord sees. God is greater than our eyesight. Do you believe that? He's greater than what we can see. He, he, he has greater knowledge and wisdom than we have. Now, we sometimes argue with God at that point, right? Because we think we know better. 
But God is much greater than our opinion. He is much greater than our knowledge. He's much greater than our wisdom. He is much greater than us. And so he sees what we do not see. Now, the next phrase, humans see what is visible. That literally, this translates to mankind sees according to his eyes. And you know, we're, we're a very visual people. Uh, our, uh, our society has, our, our culture in America has made this much worse. We've made this much, much worse. We think everything is about appearance. And the problem is we can try and live in that. We can try and live in that appearance. But God sees your heart. So it, all of this, it, it, if you don't truly know him, but you know about him, and you're, you're settling for religious activity instead of relationship, God knows. And so all of that religious activity adds up to nothing. Nothing but wasted time. You can know him through Christ. And so we need to know Christ. We need to know God there. Our society is all about the visual. So it's all about, it's all about what you can see. And even when we judge somebody else, we're doing it by appearance. We can even know something about them. But we still judge by what we see. We, what we see in their character and what we see in their physical appearance. That's how we judge. And that is not how God judges. God sees the heart. God sees beyond what we can see. We need to try and have the eyes of God and see people the way He sees them. But the Lord sees the heart. Now first, let's talk about what the heart is. I, we, we've talked about it actually quite a bit already, but the heart is that, that, the, the center of the person. And this Hebrew word is used to talk about the muscle that pumps blood. It's, ta- it's used and, and translated for the mind, the thoughts, the will, the inner person, it, the soul even. It is, it is the part of you that, that defines right and wrong. It's where... It's that the center of you where you make moral decisions. That's your heart. And that's what God sees. That's where God wants to live. Can you see why he wants to live there? Because he wants you to see right and wrong from his view, not your own. He wants you to see people, other people, from his point of view, not from your own. He wants you to be transformed right there, right in that spot. That spot where we make all of these decisions, where our thoughts are, where our will is, what we decide we're going to do and not going to do, where, where we make a moral decision, whether it's right or wrong to do something or not to do something. That's the place God wants to reside in you. And he does if you know him. He doesn't if you know about him, but don't know him. It's a matter of the heart. He knows the real you. God knows right now why you're here today. He knows right now whether you're, where, what your response is to his word this morning. When you hear that he sees your heart, you know whether that makes you ashamed or, that, or whether that makes you glad. Whether that gives you joy or whether that gives you pain, he knows that right now. 
He sees your heart right now. And it is a matter of the heart. Never settle for just knowing about God when you can know Him. Never settle for religious activity when you can have relationship. Where, when you can walk with Him every day. Experience His love and His guidance, His forgiveness, His grace. Experience it for yourself. Not just read about it. That's the heart. So what's the comfort and challenge of this? It's a matter of the heart. We live from our heart. Again, philosophers have, have written mountains of books on the idea that there is a center part of us where we live from, where we make decisions, where we think, where we, that, that, inner, that inner self that talks to us, that self-talk as they call it these days, that, that inner, inner part of us, that's it. That's the heart. That's what God desires. That's what God desires of you. He already knows you there. So you can't say, well, there's just too much junk right there that, that God would never love me. I'm telling you he already does. You are the target and the focus and the purpose of the love of God, and it's going directly to that place. That place that you think is hidden. The salve of, of forgiveness and grace and mercy and love is going directly to the illness. Directly to what Jeremiah said was desperately wicked. That's how much God loves you. That's what he sees when he looks at your heart. Do you know God? Or are you satisfied with just knowing about him? The comfort and the challenge is that we can know God. And the challenge is that we must take that step. We must take a step of faith toward him. We must surrender that part of us that makes these decisions. That part of us that is our will. That part of us that is our our decision-making, our thoughts, that part of us is what God desires. Will you surrender it right now? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. If you know about God, but you're realizing that the only voice in your heart is your own, pray along with me in your own words and say, God, I know that I have sin in my life. And I know where I store it. I store it in that place. I'm ashamed to think that you can see there. I've said things wrong. I've done things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that you desire a relationship with me. I trust that Jesus died to pay the price so that I can have you in this place in me. So I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for everything I've done because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And come into my life. Empower me to live from this place where I, where I feel your love and your guidance, your grace and your mercy. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to let somebody know. 
Come and let me know. Let your neighbor know that your heart began a transformation today. It's no longer yours. It's been surrendered to him. Maybe this morning you know Christ and you know that God sees what last week was and last month was and last year was. Is there stuff that you need to unload from there? Are you coming in heavy-hearted? Take this moment. He knows about it anyway. And John promises us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, that you can see our hearts, that that lonely place in us is never alone. We thank you, Father, that you know us in our deepest self and love us. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.